0: As we dive into the message, we're going to continue in our provision series, talking about how God reveals himself to us as provider. So last week, we started with the problem in understanding provision. And the problem is this, that outside of our experience, outside of our circumstance, God remains. God remains who he is despite what our circumstance says. And God gives to each of us equally but we may not experience it evenly. And I think Pastor Jason gave us a, such a good example last week about the provision of Billy Graham in comparison to the provision of you or I or Pastor Jason. The provision is different based on the call that God has for that person's life, for what God has called them to do. And I thought that was such a good and powerful illustration. And today, it's Pentecost Sunday. It's the day that we acknowledge the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that happened 40 days after Easter. We see the Holy Spirit poured out just as Jesus promised. And we find that in Acts chapter 2. And the exact thing that we're talking about in provision happened on that day. Although the Holy Spirit was poured out equally on everyone that was there, everyone in the upper room received the gift of tongues, the outpouring the infilling of the Holy Spirit afresh, the empowerment of the Spirit to walk in the fullness of the spiritual gifts that God had for them for the purpose that God ordained for them. But... They did not experience it evenly because if we look at the life of Peter and we see the calling on his life and the Holy Spirit empowerment that he needed to go and do what he was called to do, it was different than that of Mary or that of others who were in the upper room that were receiving the exact same outpouring. And so again, we're going to hold this intention as we continue to talk about provision, that God pours out on all of us and provides for all of us equally, but not evenly. And so if we get our eyes fixed on how God has provided for someone else, sometimes we can feel like maybe God is not providing for me. And we don't want to do that. We want to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and the, the fullness that God has provided for each and every one of us. So let's establish this idea of provision. What? is it? A provision is something that is given to you to use. A provision is going to supply you with what you need. And so when God supplies, we receive the provision to use as needed. But we must remember everything we have belongs to God, and we're called to steward everything we've been given. So God gives us a provision. It becomes ours. We get to grab hold of it. We get to use it. But we always want to remember everything we have comes from God. Now, the first time that we see God revealed in the Bible as a provider— called Jehovah Jireh was found back in Genesis 22 when God sees Abraham's obedience to sacrifice his son Isaac and God Jehovah Jireh establishes himself as provider by providing a ram for the sacrifice instead and so Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide and it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided so God is established himself in that moment as provider. And we can then trust that he is provider because it's not just that God provides, it's who he is. It's his character. And so we we can hold fast to that. Now I want you to imagine today that someone supplied you with a car. You don't have a car And you need a car, and someone finds out you don't have a car, and they have a car, and they supply you with a car. Now that supply will meet your need for a car. How awesome is that? And that is exactly how it works with God. When there are things that we have need of, God can supply our needs. Now today, I do not have a car to supply to someone, but I do have something else. How many have noticed the price of gas? All right, my friends, I know you've noticed the price of gas. The price of gas has gone so, so crazy. And I don't know if there is someone here today that maybe you have been thinking over this past week or over this past weekend, I'm really not sure if I have the money to fill my car up with gas this week. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tight. If you're here today and you have thought or you have felt or you have said I'm not sure if I can fill my car up with gas. Would you? OK. Would you come up? Friend, come on up. I, I have a supply for this need, all right? So this is Jose. And Jose, I'm going to supply you with the need to fill your car up with gas this week, okay? But I actually believe, as I was preparing for this moment, I didn't know who was going to come up, but I believe that God wants to reveal himself in an even deeper way to your life as provider, He wants to give you a fresh revelation of that because he's given you gifts and he's called you to do things and he wants to provide you with what you need to do what it is that he's called you to do. Just like that gift card, when you put it into the machine and you fill your car with gas, it's going to enable your car to do what it was created to do. Well, God wants to give you exactly what you need to do and to be who you were created to be. So I I just pray that that resonates in your spirit today. All right? God bless. God bless. So just like that very tangible and natural example, Jose wasn't sure how she was going to fill her car up with gas this week, but now she's been supplied with a gift card to fill it out. She can use it to fully empower her car and power her car, to take her where she needs to go this week. Now, if that gift card just stays in her wallet, it will never be used for the intended purpose that it was set out to to be used for. It doesn't mean she doesn't have the provision, but if it stays in her wallet, if it's not actually activated, if it's not accessed, it'll never be able to actually do what it was intended to do. And of course, this is a very natural example, but it works exactly the same way with the three provisions that we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about the provision of rest, the provision of peace, and the provision of God being the supply for all of our needs. Let's take a moment and pray. Holy Spirit, we ask you to give us understanding today about how rest and peace and our needs have already been provided for in the person of Jesus Christ Help us not only to keep these provisions hidden in our spiritual wallets, but teach us, God, today how to access these provisions every single day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We need the Holy Spirit's help to bring revelation of these things. So God gives rest. God is our provider when it comes to rest. And rest is a vital yet often overlooked aspect of our spiritual formation— The very nature of our salvation given to us by grace alone is the very definition of rest. There's absolutely nothing we can do to earn it. There's nothing we can do to try and deserve it. It's a gift of grace received only when we put down striving and when we put down earning and receive it from a place of complete rest and I know for some of us here today, this is part of the deepest core of our struggle—that we have known Jesus, known the good news, been in faith for many years, but still can't seem to reconcile this idea that God has given us this gift of salvation freely, that we don't have to strive and we don't have to earn to receive it. That actually, we don't and we cannot ever be good enough for God. So we must receive this gift of salvation from a place of rest. For some of us here today, that rest card is just sitting in our spiritual wallet, not actually being activated in the fullness of what it was created to do. And in the story of creation, we see God work, and then we see God rest. The heavens and the earth were finished in creation. God accomplished what he set out to do. And then what did he do? He sat back and he admired it. God's precedence suggests an order for you and me. And it's the same thing we're called to do. Plan out your week's work, execute it, and then stand back and admire what has taken place. Finished did not mean that there wasn't more that could have been done. Jesus said these exact same words on the cross. He said, it is finished just before he breathed his last breath. The work is complete. He came and completed what God asked. But even in that statement, there was so much more to come. Christ would then rise. He would pour his spirit out on the earth, and these are huge things. Yet, in that moment, he still said, it is finished. Because all of this had already been set in motion, and he was completely obedient to what the Father had asked him to do. And so God in creation completed what he set out to do and then he rested. And some scholars say that this rest was actually an invitation into a position that God has established for us. Our purpose is established in and from rest. Rest in the completed work of God through the person of Jesus Christ. What an incredible provision we've been given. And so we're invited into God's grace and mercy, into a completed salvation, a secure covenant of life everlasting, and an heir to God's spiritual inheritance for us. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. And this is actually a bit odd. Honestly, God blesses people, but to bless a day is a strange thing. But not only does he bless it, he makes it holy, which means he sanctifies it. He actually said on the seventh day, I'm going to make it holy because I'm making a claim. God is making a claim to one day a week. It belongs to him, which means you and I must yield to that which belongs to God. It's God's day. And Sabbath actually means stop. It means the stopping day. God claims this day as his own and then instructs us to stop working and admire everything that we have accomplished. Do you ever take time to look back at the week and celebrate all that God has done? Celebrate all that has been accomplished. Thank him for every check off your to do list. How many of you are big checklist people? You love your checklists. I love you. You are my people. I have 137 um, notes in my note app right now, which don't think I'm a psycho. That's actually really good. I'm down from about 250. I usually keep a running total of about 250, so 137. I'm doing so good. And in on my phone, there's this those little circles. You know what I'm talking about? And then you literally put the... Chi- like, everyone my the checklist people are like oh it's so satisfying it's so good and then it moves to the bottom and you know what like i'm i'm really bad i don't even delete them i just it's like i just want to see all the checks and they're at the bottom and i'm like oh this is so good this is so good but you think i love this order because honestly and i need this i need this and this is my confession to you today because i don't look back at my checklist and say wow Look at all that I've accomplished. Look at all that has gotten done this week. No. Instead, when I have some time in the morning, when I'm, when I'm spending time with God or I have some solitude, what do I do? I just adding to the checklist. I just keep adding things that need to get done instead of stopping and actually resting and actually celebrating. Can you imagine what would happen if you and I actually took time and took the practice to look back and say, wow, thank God. Imagine if I literally read every check that happened and said, thank you, God, that this happened. Thank you, God, that I got my house cleaned this week. Thank you, God, that I, you know, all of the things that I did did that return at winners, and that I, you know, all of the things that we put on our checklist. What would happen is that we would, we would be embracing a space of gratitude and contentment, and actually silencing, striving, and silencing stress as we take time to rest and to celebrate all that God has done. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's Matthew 11:28 28 to 30. The language that we see Jesus using here is like this tug of war with control. Have you ever gone on a long road trip and there's a car full of people in the car? Well, Everyone is going the same distance, everyone is in the car, they're seeing the same geography, the experience is the same, but for the driver, there is a different level of responsibility, and they experience rest in a different way. The passengers can take a nap, they can chat, they can read their phone, they can watch a movie but the driver remains responsible and in control of the vehicle. It's a completely different perspective. Well, when Jesus says, come to him, take his yoke, it's actually like our way of giving up control, letting Jesus take the wheel. Thank you, Carrie Underwood. (laughs) Sabbath is when we learn to rest while God keeps working, and we trust that God is continuing to work. God is our provider, and he wants to give you and I rest. Now, the enemy can steal this rest from us by never giving up control, and so we've got to recognize the things that are outside of our control, which honestly, are almost everything, especially people. We cannot control people, so we have to let go of trying to control people and trust that God is working. Now Sabbath is not just about not working for one day. It's actually an invitation into a lifestyle of rest and trust in God, trust that God is in control. But the practice of di- and the discipline of Sabbath of not working one day of the week reminds us that God is in control so we can rest and not strive for what God has already provided. So a question when it comes to rest for you to think about, where do you need to trust Jesus enough to let him give you rest? All right, the next provision we're going to talk about today is peace. God gives us peace. Now, on earth, mostly we believe that peace is the absence of conflict. And of course, this is our desire. We want to see the absence of conflict, especially in our relationships with people, with tribes, with factions, with countries. We want to see peace. It's our desire. But God is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. So what is it that Jesus says about peace? What is the provision he has for us? This is what he says in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. That's Jesus talking. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. The peace of Jesus is a provision for you and for I. This peace is different than any peace that you could receive in the world, and you can receive this peace while in the midst of conflict. Watch what Jesus says as we continue in John 15 and John 16. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. I have said these things to you, that in me, there it is again, in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation." but take heart. I have overcome the world. We see this in the life of the Apostle Paul. His life was filled with conflict here on earth, but God provided him peace. And look at how Paul describes it in Philippians 4 verses 11 to 13. He says, for what I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content, oh Lord Jesus, help us in whatever situation we find ourselves, to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We love to quote that part of the verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But look at what comes just before. How can we do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Through finding contentment in the peace that Jesus has given us. The enemy desires to steal our peace through conflict. He robs our strength by stealing our joy. And if we really listen to this language, this language of stealing and robbing, Have you ever had anything stolen from you? Have you ever had your car broken into, or your house broken into, or your wallet stolen, something taken from you? The only things that can be stolen from you are things that belong to you. Right now, someone could go into Jose's wallet and steal that card because she hasn't used it yet. It's just sitting there in her wallet, but it's hers. It belongs to hers, and she can use it for what it is that she has need of. But until she uses it, it could be stolen the enemy, if the enemy can steal our peace, then peace is something that already belongs to us in Jesus. If the enemy can rob our joy, then joy is something that already is ours because Jesus has given it to us. Yet so often we focus on the reality that we don't feel peace, that we don't have joy in our circumstance. Therefore, we must not have the provision. God hasn't given me the provision, yet the enemy can steal our joy. But why do we just accept that and settle for that? Jesus said, take heart. I have overcome the world. We have authority over everything that the enemy has stolen from us because these provisions of rest and peace belong to us. They're ours. So take them back. Get that card out of your wallet. Put it in the machine. Use it. Access it for what it was desired to give to you. Let God fill up your spiritual gas tank and walk in the full empowerment and provision of what God has given you. We can walk disillusioned because there's conflict, believing that God isn't with us. But the truth is that God is a provider and he has given us peace. And we can grab hold of that peace right in the midst of the conflict we face. And so the question about peace to reflect on is this. Can you root your identity in whom God has declared himself to be, in whom God has declared you to be, not only how the conflict defines you? Now, our final provision today that we're going to unpack is God supplies our needs. Now, when it comes to Philippians 4.19, it says this, "...and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus." So, supply is really just a different word from provision. And so, how is God going to supply all of our needs? According to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the key to the supply. Now, if I said to you today, God is going to supply all your needs according to the riches of Jeff Bezos, of Bill Gates, of Elon Musk, of Francois Betancourt Myers, the billionaire mogul of the Laurier brand, you might believe me. You might say, wow, sweet, because you know how rich these people are. They can provide for all of your needs. But let me tell you here today, not one of the wealthiest people on this earth can supply you what you truly need in the core of your soul space. And the richest people on earth will tell you this, that all of the riches of this world cannot bring peace to your heart, cannot settle your soul, cannot actually give you what your soul longs for. God is telling you that the source of the riches that he has supplied to you comes from the glory of the work of Christ, the only one who can save your soul the finished work of the cross of jesus christ the salvation of your soul by grace alone the provision of complete rest complete peace and your every need and i know you might be here today saying no like i literally i can't make ends meet no you don't understand i'm i'm in pain every single day no I have a loved one, and they're suffering with addictions, and they're suffering with mental illness. No, my marriage is literally crumbling. I understand that there are real, physical, tangible needs, but there is a provision for you today, and I pray a revelation of the Holy Spirit can come for those needs. Let's look at what Psalm 37 says says delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart commit your way to the Lord trust him and he will act There's another space that we need this divine revelation from the Holy Spirit because we tend to focus all of our energy and our efforts on the desires part, the desires of our heart, our prayers, our dreams, our focus, so often is on these desires and we wonder, why isn't God giving these things to me? I thought God was going to supply all my needs. We have to recognize that our very first and core need is a spiritual one. Without the salvation of our souls, all of these other things are just temporal. Without the salvation of our souls, we will live, we will work. And we will die eternally separated from God. It's eternally separated from light and life and truth. In the person of Jesus Christ, God has supplied all that we could ever need in abundance. But we must stop keeping these desires in the realm of the physical only. Keeping our focus on that which is temporal. I want to read a list for you of some of the things that God has supplied to you. And I want you to imagine putting a spiritual gift card into your spiritual wallet with unlimited supply of all these things that have been given to you through Jesus Christ. Faith, peace, access to relationship with God, grace, hope of eternity, love, Holy Spirit, salvation from sin, adoption into God's family, redemption, forgiveness, purpose, righteousness, life, mercy, joy, the body of Christ, spiritual gifts, power and authority, wisdom, the word of God, protection against the enemy, freedom, and spiritual blessings." Are we delighting ourselves in these things, in these great and sufficient provisions for our soul? Often our needs are associated with finances and or lack thereof. And so let's talk a little bit about this as we prepare to close today. Jesus believed that everyone was a steward, a steward of everything that has been entrusted to them. And so the principles of God are even. No matter how much you've been given, you're called to steward that which you've been given. It's even. It's an equal principle. Now, often we see money through the lens of prosperity and poverty. I have enough or I don't have enough, but Jesus sees money through the lens of stewardship and provision. Here's what I've given you. How will you steward it? And again, God gives equally, but not evenly. Matthew 6 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so, the central question Jesus asks over and over again in a variety of ways is To whom do you belong? Robert Morris says says this, understanding that God owns and we steward is the most vital to understanding, is the most vital understanding you must embrace to walk out this journey. And it is true. God owns, we steward. A steward is someone who's managing something which belongs to another. You don't decide to become a steward, you already are. The only question is, what kind of steward are you? Or what kind of steward do you desire to become? You have a wallet full of unlimited supplied gift cards of peace and wisdom and joy and everything from the list that we just read. How are you stewarding those provisions? I'm 100% responsible for what God places into my hand. And my first step is to return to him the first 10%, again, as an act of stewardship, worship, lordship. Jesus is Lord over 100% of what I have. The principle of the tithe is something that I started to practice when I was 16 years old when I got my very first job. I witnessed my parents doing this, so they set the example for this, but they never really overly talked about it. They didn't force me to do it. They didn't require it of me. My church didn't tell me I had to. It was just something that at the age of 16, when money started to come into my bank account, I wanted that principle to be worked out in my life. I knew that if I gave God back... 10% of what he had given me as an act of stewardship and as an act of thanks that I could trust him with everything that I had. Now, sometimes we're unwilling to take this step because either we don't trust God or we don't believe in the principle of the tithe or we don't believe that everything we have comes from God. And I'm not talking about this today because I want you to start tithing. Tithing is not about earning God's favor or getting something from God. We've already received everything we could ever need in the person of Jesus Christ. But tithing is a part of the stewardship of everything that God has placed into our hands. But just like the gas gift card, you need to pray about how to steward 100% of what you have, not just do I tithe or not. Sometimes we're unable to take the step to tithe because we have other masters. The reality is that debt is a master, and it is a cruel master that takes more from you than what it is that you have purchased. The cycle of debt is a death grip to our soul, squeezing out literally the abundant life that is available to us. When we think about debt, Jesus Paid the debt of our sin, the debt that we could never repay, so that we could be supplied with salvation and freedom. Materialism is another master, and it's a cruel master because it's a master that you can never satisfy. As soon as you get the next thing, Something else comes down the way that you want, and you will never be satisfied. And our freedom from this master is found when we delight in the Lord, when we delight in the one who has already given us everything our soul could long for. Scarcity is another master. If we can only see what we do not have, then we are a slave to scarcity and lack. And scarcity can master us no matter how much money is in our bank account. If we feel like it is never enough, then scarcity has become a master. God's grace is sufficient, and Jesus has already given us life abundantly. And so gratitude is our weapon over scarcity. Whenever we're tempted to focus on what we don't have, we must practice gratitude and thankfulness in all that God has already provided. The Stewardship Road says this, I put God first in everything, including my finances. I practice gratitude for all that God places into my hand. I steward faithfully what he has entrusted to me. I hold everything in my life with an open hand, which God can wisely direct. God is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, the one who gives rest, peace, and supplies all our needs. So let's start with trusting who God is. Let's expose the lies of the enemy and the plans and attacks of the enemy in our lives. And let's walk in obedience to God's word so that we can appropriate all that God has provided for us. If you've never given your life to Jesus, perhaps today is the day. Perhaps today is the day that you would say, Jesus, I recognize that my very life is possible because of you. And maybe today you want to say, Help me, God, steward all you have placed in my hands. I want to take a moment, and I'm just going to invite you to repeat a prayer. And if you want to make Jesus Lord of your life today, I just invite you to repeat this prayer with me from your heart. And in a moment, Carrie is going to sing that song just one more time as we reflect on our own stewardship and on these gifts and these provisions that God has given. Are we walking in them? Are we using them? We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us. Would you repeat after me? Jesus, thank you for being my provider. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for where I have not been a good steward. I receive your saving grace today. I give you my life to use for your glory. Holy Spirit, help me to be a good steward of all you have given me. In Jesus' name, amen.